0: Alright, Travel good morning, good morning. Let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors, to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Shvat. Yo, and Sara Kelman for dedicating all the Shiurim and Drushos this month in honor of the birth of their daughter, Oria Tahel, and in the hope that all the couples davening for children will so ha- soon have their Tvilos answered, Bekarov. To thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating all the Shurim and this month in honor of their grandchildren, Adin Svi and Aftali Moshe, and to thank Shirley Elbaum and family for dedicating the Shurim this month. In commemoration of the yard site of Shirley's husband, Jerry Elbaum, Zichrona Levracha, Yaakov, Kapo, Ben Rabbaram, Menachem. We, we thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating the Week of Learning in memory of Paul's sister, Leah Bas Shmuel, on the occasion of her, uh, on the occasion of her yard site on the 11th of Teves. We also thank our Dafiomi sponsors for today, Zabi and Shoshi Daniel, Le'iluj Nishmas, <laughs> Yitzchok, Israel Ben Rafal, Noach, Yosef, whose yard site was on Zion, Tevez, we are in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshama's will have in Aliyah, and the families in the was well, With that, let us begin. Today's DAF is DAF Lamid. We are picking up in Meretz Hashem on Chav Tes days 29B. We left off yesterday in our share here in Shul, second wide line. Actually, we left, we left off a little bit later on, but let's go ahead. Um, actually, I think we left off a lot later on. Um, Actually, let's pick up, it, yeah, you know, let's pick up there. Second wide line, second wide line Amarav, second wide line, 29B Amurav. Again, a little Chazara, but that's pretty much where we, around the area where we left off. So Amarav, Rav says as follows, mm-hmm. We'll say now an interesting Machlokas. Remember again, we pointed this out in yesterday's Sheer, and the truth is we mentioned this already when we began the Mishnah. <clears throat> What's fascinating to, to recognize in this discussion regarding the prohibitions associated with nine days, is if you notice again, as much as the Mishnah said, Mishniknas av which we'll get to today in Meretz Hashem, about what exactly that means, we diminish our simcha once the month of Av comes, the morning practices associated with Tishabov are the week of Tisha B'Av itself. The week of Tisha B'Av itself. Now the records an interesting makhlukes. So we'll say, when we say the week of Tisha B'Av, does that include just the days before Tisha B'Av? Or does it potentially even include what? The days after Tisha B'Av as well. So Amar Lo Al-Lafanov, Rav says that the morning practices only apply in the days leading up to Tisha B'Av, but certainly do not apply... After tishabav after Tishabav, there are no morning practices. So Shmuel, Shmuel says, "Afilu of nami Shmuel says, "No." When we say Shavuah Shechalba, this is really fascinating. When we say that there are morning practices the week of tishabav that literally means what? Afterwards, also in other words, the entire week of tishabav including after tishabav B'av. Marizikasha Shechal the week in which tishabav falls out, you can't take a haircut, you can't launder, but on Thursday, on Thursday it's permitted, says the Gemara, what's the case? What's the case? When is Tisha b'a falling out in this particular scenario? If Tisha B'Av fell out on Sunday, Ultimately, again, then we'll see what that means is tishabav is on Sunday. You're allowed to go ahead and launder and take a haircut the rest of the week. If Tisha B'av falls out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the fun of you can't launder or take a haircut before Tisha B'Av, but after tishabav is mutter. Chalios be'er Shabbos. If Tishabal falls out on a Friday, which I will say for an us now is a calendrical impossibility, but before the calendar was set, that was possible. You can go ahead and launder on on Thursday because of Kavad Shabbos. Listen to this: <coughs> If you did not launder your clothing on Thursday. Interestingly enough, I will say, if Tisha B'av fell out on a Friday, ideally we want you to love your clothing, when? On Thursday. But if you did not do it on Thursday, what can you do? From Friday. Now what's Friday in this case? What's Friday? Friday is You could do it on Friday on Tisha B'Av from Mincha time and on. Min ha Mincha they, they were not happy with this practice. They did not want people, they did not want people laundering or doing anything on actual Tisha B'Av itself, even from Mincha time and on. But honestly, I will just point out, it's not a topic now, but the Beis Yosef actually quotes the practice on even just a stam year of people beginning to go ahead and launder clothing on a regular year, on Tisha B'Av, after mincha time, after mincha time, now he rejects it halachah but he quotes he quotes that that practice was in effect. In any event, chaliyos b'shinei v'chamishi. So I will say now again we're transitioning just to another quick topic. So just, just keep in mind, there's a fundamental machlokis raging over here. Machlokis Rav Shmuel. What's that machlokes? Do the restrictions of shvua shachalbo apply after Tisha B'Av or not? Rav says no. Rav says, Shavuot Shachabo is only before Tishabab, not after Tisha B'av. Shmuel says no, even after Tishabab. So we're recording now a whole B'Raisal. Let's continue with the B'Raisal. Chaliyos. B'Sheni B'chamishi, if Tisha B'vah falls out on a Tuesday, on a Monday or a Thursday, Korin Shoshu Maftir Echad, you have three alias and one after Torah, right? One, and the third one is Maftir. B'Shlishi but however, if Tisha b'a falls out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, Kore Echad U Maftir Echad. There's one Aliyah, one Aliyah and a Maftir. Rabbi Yosei Rabbi Yossi says, no, Li Olam Koren Shoshu Maftir Echad, you always read three aliyahs, and the last aliyah is maftir, which is how we pass kin. But I will say, what do you see from here? I will say, again, what are we focusing on? What do you see from this braisa? You see from this braisa that when do the prohibitions of Shvuah Shechalbo apply until, what does the braisa say, until when? Until no. Tishabav, and not afterwards. Therefore, the Dishmuel. This is an effective refutation of the position of Shmuel, telling us that halakhala the prohibitions of Shua Shachab, the week of Tishabov, only apply up until Tishabov and not past it. Amrakha Shmuel, Shmuel will defend his position. He will say, Tana'ihi, it's a machlokes tanoim. It's a machlokes tanoim. The sandyh. So I just have to stop for just a second. I just want to show you something beautiful. See, two tables over here, Bacher Bar Mitzvah, Rosenblum, right, two tables behind him, Jeremy Lassen, right, Bar Mitzvah, just had a baby. Here's the beauty of daf. Here's the beauty of daf. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. You could have a baby, you could have a bar mitzvah, you could have this, whatever it is, whatever is going on, the beauty in daf is, it continues all of the time. And by the way, this is a good opportunity to text those people who are not here and just, and just maybe just share that snippet with them. Right? It does not football. It doesn't stop for nothing. It, it doesn't it doesn't stop for anything. It doesn't stop. And, and part, by the way, of what it doesn't stop is also not just the learning, but whenever possible to be here for share. That's part of the godless of it, is the regilos, is the continuity of it. Whatever is happening in your life, you make sure that whatever, see, it's not the pshat that you fit the daf in. It's the pshat that you fit everything else in your life into the daf. That, that, that's, that's the way it works. And when you take that mindset, everything else has to fit into the daf. Okay, incredible. Anyway, back, back to the Gemara. Samar says as follows. So Shmuel will defend his position. He will say, It's a machlokis tennoim. So the Gemara says, This san yo, Shechalios bis When Tishabah falls out on Shabbis, Erev Tishab Shechalios bis or Erev Tishabah falls out on Shabbis, what's Talokho? Ocho vishosekultsarho, al kisudas, Shlomo So we'll say, a very, a very beautiful Gemara. Very beautiful. And this is indeed, it's the Halacha LeMaisa. We're going to talk about some of the restrictions concerning the Suda Mavsakes, the final meal before before Tisha B'Av. But interestingly enough, when Erev Tisha B'av, now, truth is both saying, it's the same Halacha if Erev Tisha B'av falls out on Shabbos or if Tisha B'av falls out on Shabbos, because the effective reality is the same, which is what? Which is what? Tisha B'av is observed on Sunday on Sunday. Now again, it could be real Tisha B'av on Sunday or what we call a nitre a delayed Tisha B'av on Sunday. But either way, when you are having your Suda sekes on, on Shabbos, there are no restrictions on that meal. <coughs> and in fact, the Mishnah said, the Gemara says, Ma'ala HaShulchano Afilu Kisudas Shlomo You could even have a Suda like Shlomo HaMelech in the height of his monarchy. You want to have a meal of Solomonic proportions, right? You are permitted to do so. Meat, wine, remember again, that's in stark, con- that's contradistinction to what we're going to learn about regular Sudam Havsakes. Regular Sudam Havsakes is a very, a very tightly controllable site. Not to be confused, people often get confused between the Havsakes of Erev Tisha B'Av and of Yom Kippur, right? Erev, the Suda Sekes or Erev Yom Kippur is a celebratory meal. The Suda Sekes prior to Tishabov is a very austere, mournful meal, with one exception. If Erev Tisha B'Av is on Shabbos, there are no restrictions as to what you could have for that particular Suda. Va'asr al-Saper, boss again, we'll get into this, Va'asr al-Saper, ul-achabes marosh chodesh, The ad hat Rabbi Meir. And you cannot go ahead and launder your clothing or take a haircut from Rosh Chodesh up until the tiny. so now for the first time we see an opinion who backs up the restrictions to Rosh Chodesh Av. To Rosh Chodesh Av. Rabbi Meir Rabbi Huda Omer Kola Chodesh Kula Aser. Rabbi Huda actually says this is this is incredible. All of Av, all of Av is prohibited from laundering and from and from hair cutting. Rabbi Shagun Leal Omer, Rabbi Shagun Leal says, Inu Asr Elo Osa Shabbos Bilvad. Rabbi Shagun Leal says, Only that particular week, right, Shavuoshe Chabo is going to be Asr. V'tanya Idach, another Brisa says, V'noeg Evel, Merosh Chodesh Vaadatayin. Another Brisa says, We conduct ourselves with morning practices from Rosh Chodesh up until the festive. Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Huda Omer, Kolach Chodesh Kulo. Rabbi Huda says, The entire month. Rabbi Huda says, Now where does Rabbi Huda get that the entire month? We just get that the entire month is legislated or is restricted by his morning practices? what did the Mishnah say? What did the Mishnah say? Mishnah Nichnas Av Mematim Besimcha. From the Lushna of the Mishnah, it would seem that the entire month of Av has these restrictions. The, the, Shabbos Shabbos Shabbos. Shabbos. the Rabbi Shimon Leol says. Only that week. Now both said what's interesting over here is what Shmuel's <laughs> understanding is whatever Shibil says that week, that week, what does that week include? Potentially include? The entire week. Even the days after the fast. So ultimately again Shmuel's just saying there's a machlokas. There's Machlokas, and I happen to hold, like one of the opinions holds, that the restrictions of Shavua Shechalbo are, in fact, until when? Until after the fast as well. I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Mikra So Rabbi Yochanan says, by the way, all three of these opinions, all three of these opinions, Darshen the same Pasek, Because the Pasek says, Vishbasi quoting over here from Hoshea, Vishmati which literally means... I will bring to an end all of its celebrations, Chagah, Chodshah, and Chagah means it's Chag, it's Yom Tiv. Chodshah, it's month. Shabbasah, it's week. V'chomu'adea. So watch this, Shabbasah. Here we go. So the opinion that says the morning practices are in effect from Rosh Chodesh up until the Tainas. He dashes the word what? Chagah. Chagah. Because the Pasuk says, I will, I will bring to an end your Chagah. they will say, Chagah means Rosh Chodesh, according to this opinion. Chodesh Kulo Aser All right, ultimately, again, he'll dash in Chodesh. Shabbos Kulo Aser So interestingly enough, everyone's dashing the same Pasuk, ultimately, again, to give them their particular durations of the restrictions. Incredible. I'm a says, Halach Grib so Rav said the halacha follows Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. The halacha la the prohibition is only that particular week. <laughs> Va'amar Ravah Rav says, halacha krabi Meir. The halacha was Rabbi Meir. holds that what? Rabbi Meir holds that halacha la Rabbi Meir says that the restrictions are from Rosh Chodesh up until the Tynus. So says, what's going on over here? So Rav is saying that halacha was Rabbi Meir from Rosh Chodesh up until the fast, and the halacha was <laughs> Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Shvuash Chalba, week of. So what what does that mean? T'wich the gemara says v'tar vayhu He's applying both of them ultimately again in a lenient fashion. How so? So we'll say, watch this, watch this. Now both we'll say the gemara says. Well, let's let's see. Targ the suicha the Asher al ha'chavim Because if he would have said the halacha follows Rabbi Mayer, I would have thought that what have amina filu mei You might have thought that the restrictions apply even from rosh chodesh. Kamash malon al ha'chavim shugam Therefore it says Allah. <laughs> what does Rashimil say? The restrictions only apply when? Week of. But if it would have said Allah, namely that the restrictions apply week of, I would have thought week of means what? Means what? Even after the fast. Therefore, he says, so we'll say, This is really very interesting. So, what, what Rabba seems to say is as follows Rabba adopts two positions to ultimately create a, a leniency. He says, Dalacha follows Rabbi Meir, but Rabbi Meir holds that the restrictions apply from Rosh Chodesh up until when? Up until the fast. And then he says, Dalacha follows Rabbi Shem who says that the restrictions apply the week of the fast. Essentially, what Ravah is saying is a combination of the two opinions. You see, what we gleaned from Rabbi Meir is what? Is what? That the restrictions... Or let's work backwards. What we glean from Shemel Amniel is that the restrictions only apply when? Shavu week of. But from the position of Shemel Amniel, one could also infer, like Shmuel does, that week of means what? Mikvav means what? even after Tisha B'Av as well. (coughs) Therefore, he says, Da'alach HaFal is Rabbi Meir, because although Rabbi Meir starts the restrictions as of when? Rosh Chodesh, he ends them when? At the fast day itself. So Rava essentially says, Da'alach HaFal both of these opinions. But the conclusion is, what does it mean both of the opinions? The restrictions only apply when? The week of Tisha B'Av. And when do the restrictions end? When do they end? At Tisha B'av itself. Now the truth is, we know, they actually don't really end at Tisha B'av. They actually end when? when Chatzos of the 10th of Av. Because that's what we saw before, again, that Halochah Lamaiseh, the base HaMik, was really was only set ablaze, late in the day of the 9th, burning into the 10th. But Halochah Lamaiseh, that's I Pasuk. So I will say, what I will point out, I mentioned this to you before, this is really the position the Shulchan Aruch takes. Right, the Shulchan when he speaks about the prohibitions associated, he says Shavuah Shechal Tishabov. This is in Simin Taf Kuf Nun Aleph Siv, Gimel. Shavuah Shechal Tishabov Asurim L'Saper UleChaves. So the Mechabra says, and I've also said this is how Sfayad and Baskin that there are no nine days. There are no nine days. Right? What are there? What is there? Shavuah Shechal bo. Right, the week of tishabov you have these restrictions, right? The restrictions ultimately of grooming, of laundering, of meat, of wine. Ashkenazim, the Ramah points out that we, he says, ultimately, again, so I just want to point out here, it's fascinating to see when you learn this sugya, when you learn this sugya, really you begin to see <coughs> that from the Gemara's perspective, the restrictions of Tishabov are really limited to Shvuah Shechalbo. We now the first time we see something different is when we see Rabbi Shimon I'm sorry, when we see Rabbi Meir, who backs up the restrictions ultimately again to Rosh Chodesh. But this is Machlok chaluk. Ashkenazim, The restrictions only apply Shvuah Shechalbo. Ashkenazim. Our minag is to back up the restrictions ultimately until Rosh Chodesh Av. Again, more to say about that. We'll come out to that in just a little bit. So we'll say, let's go back there. Erev Tisha Erev lo yochal adam based On Erev Tishabov, a person should not go ahead and, should not go ahead and eat two cooked foods. So we'll say, part of the morning, part of the morning for Tishabov is that we limit the type of foods we eat on Erev Tisha A person shouldn't eat two cooked dishes. Says the Gimara, Amra Yehuda, lo shanu ala mishesh shaos ulamayla, this only applies in a meal that you're eating from chatzos, from six hours and on. In other words, of both time, when do we say that you shouldn't eat two cooked foods? That's only any meal you're eating from midday and on on Erev Tisha Bav. But anything you're eating before midday, no restrictions. No restrictions. Furthermore, Rabbi Huda says, also this restriction really only applies to what? Yeah. Your Suda hamafsekas the meal you're eating right before the fast. But ultimately, again, if it's not a Suda HaMafsakes, you could even eat two cooked foods. The Gemara says, Now the truth is we take both of these opinions and we emerge with a lenient conclusion. How so? Here we go. Because if we would have just said, you can't eat two cooked foods in your Suda Mavsakes. You might have thought that that's true, even if you're eating your Suda Mavsakes in the morning. As we'll say, let's say I decide I'm eating my Suda Mavsakes at 10 a.m. on Erev Tisha You might have thought that therefore Allah you can't eat two cooked foods during that meal. Therefore, again, the Gemara says, no, the restriction on two cooked foods only applies when? When you're eating your Suda Mavsakes when? From six hours and on. But if you're eating a meal earlier in the day, there is no restriction. And if we would have just said, you can't eat two, two cooked foods from six hours and on. You might have thought, that this is even true in a meal that is not your bisuda mafzakas. Therefore, the Gemara says it only applies, it only applies to the suda, your suda mafzakas. What comes out of here is as follows. that The restriction on consuming two cooked foods as part of a meal is only when? And your suda mafzakas that's being consumed when? After six hours into the day. But any meal that does not fit those two criteria is not governed by the two cooked food restriction. Incredible. Tanya Kalishnakamo. Tanya Kalishnakvasra. So let's say we have two different prices listen to this, Tanya Kalishnabasra, we have a briseh that supports the second Lashon, hasoed Erev if a person is having Sudan on Erev im lisod suda achares, if you're going to have another meal in the day, mutar yayin, you could even eat meat and drink wine, veim lav, but if you're not going to have another meal in the day, therefore this meal is my Suda you can't eat meat and drink wine. So they say, again, now we're not eating meat or drinking wine on Erev at all. But the point the Gemara is making over here is that the meal restrictions only apply to that meal that is going to be your pseudomafsakis, to that meal which is going to be your final meal before the fast. Tanya Kalishna Kamo, another braisa, Erev tish above, lo yochal shilin, a person should not eat two cooked foods on Ereptish above, for lo Yokal and a person should not eat meat and not drink wine. Rebishimal says, so, Yishana. Rebish says. We're not so focused on what you can't eat, what you can't eat. But rather, here's what we know. Is your Suda mafsekes should be different than your typical meal. Rabbi Huda, says, Ketza mishana. Rabbi Huda says, What's an example? How should you change your meal? Listen to this. If you normally eat two cooked foods, then what? What? Only eat one. If you normally dine with 10 people, don't dine with 10 people, dine with 5 people. If you normally drink 10 cups of wine, there's much to be said about that. Right? The Yimera says, Only drink 5. Only drink 5. That particular meal. Remember, when is that so? only with a meal that you're eating from chatzos and on, on Erev Tisha B'Av. But again, any meal that's being consumed before six hours, mutter. Ultimately, again, there are no restrictions. So, we'll say, so what you begin to see is, again, when we speak about restrictions of, of a Sudah of mavsakes that requires the suda to conform to two criteria. Criteria number one, Number one is what we'll call a timing criteria. It has to be after six hours. And number two, it has to be your final meal before the fast. Any meal that does not conform to those two criteria is not going to be regulated by these restrictions. So the Gemara says, Tanya <coughs> Iida, another b'risa says, Erev Tisha lo yochal adom shnei Shilin. Right, erev tishah a person should not go ahead and eat two cooked foods. Lo yochal basra, lo Should not eat meat. Should not drink wine. Divrei Meir. The Chum say say you should deviate, change from how you normally have your meal, and you should diminish the amount of meat and the amount of wine you consume. Kaitzah memayit. How do you diminish? Im harag yalechol litra basra yochal If you normally eat a litra of meat only eat a half a litre, you normally drink a lug of wine, drink a half a log, and if you normally never eat meat, and you normally never drink wine, you certainly can't introduce that into the diet of your sudas on Erev Tisha B'Av. says, we'll say first wide line, acher so, if you normally eat a radish, Maliach means like salted meat. Salted meat after your, or salted fish, it could also mean anything salted. After your meal, people would often eat something salty after the meal, I guess, to aid in digestion. If you normally eat that, if that's part of your normal practice, you could do that even as part of Another HaMafsakas. Koshu Mishum Tishabav, so I will say, listen to this. Any meal, any meal that you are eating because of Tishab. Now both say, what does that mean? Any meal you're eating because of tishav? Any meal that is your sutum afsekas, right? So any meal that is your final meal before the fast is going to be regulated. How is it going to be regulated? You can't eat meat, you can't drink wine and you can't wash. It doesn't mean wash your hands like for bread. What it means is that it's going to be an a general prohibition to wash yourself once you begin to consume that meal. But ultimately, again, any meal, that's not because of Tisha For example... For example, any other well, Rashi says over here. Any other meal you're eating on erev Tishav, that's not your suda mafsekes. You could eat meat, you could drink wine, but you'll still be be prohibited to wash yourself. Ultimately, again, on erev Tishav. So Rabbi Shohar Rabbi Yossi says, in the name of his father, anytime you're permitted to eat meat, you're also permitted to bathe, permitted to wash. So I just want to point out, it's just very fascinating to see, very fascinating to see, that Halacha ma'isa. you see, we, for us, especially Ashkenazim, it's so ingrained, that comes Rosh Chodesh Av, there's a wholesale prohibition on meat and wine, right? I just want to point out how fascinating it is. You're seeing the sughets, these are the sughets now, and you begin to see, as just aside from one opinion of Rabbi Meir, who holds that the prohibitions apply from Rosh Chodesh, ultimately until the fast, you begin to see at most it's Shevosh and you even see opinions that are entertaining the possibility of meat and wine consumption, even on Erev above itself, up until up until the actual of Sekis. So it's, it's just fascinating. The reason why this is important is because, you know, sometimes people, especially those who may be lactose intolerant or, again, may have other diet issues, there's definitely room in Halacha to be able to be mekels. For the I mean, not as much wine. I don't know people who I know anybody who needs wine, <laughs> right? So, but, but certainly again, for meat consumption, certainly for chicken consumption, there are there, there are definitely there are definitely coolers that could be relied upon. You see, again, just again. Okay. So let's go says right there. Says the about Another fascinating brisa. The general halacha is as follows: any halocha that applies to Avelos, general mourning, applies by te- by tishabov. How so? As Those don't apply by Avelos, right? That's, remember, the fact that I can't eat and I can't drink, that has nothing to do with Avelos. What does that have to do with? That's a tiny seaboard. That's the time of Sibor, right? So I can't eat, I can't drink. Besicha, but I will say, here the rest of the things that apply by Avela. Sicha, which means anointing oneself with lotions. Putting on lotions. You can't put on any lotions on Tisha Nilasa Sandal, sandal, you can't wear leather shoes. Tash you can't engage in marital relations. Va'asr Likros, ba'Torah Torah, k'suvim. You can't learn. You can't learn Tanakh. The Mishnah, the Talmud, the Medrash, Baalachos, Uba Agados, You can't learn Torah. You can't learn Torah on Tisro, just like an Avel is not permitted to learn Torah. Aval kori hu b'makom she'inu raga The boss said, this is incredible. Here the Brisa says, but you could learn something You don't. you're not normally accustomed to learning. You say, now, what does what that mean? Korim so the cross. b'makom ragel say, you could read in Tanakh something you're not normally accustomed to reading. And you could learn in Mishnah, something you're not normally accustomed to, to learning. What's the P'shara? say, look at Rashi, this is incredible. B'makom so ragel the Rashi says, yada sarah. Because Rashi says, listen to this, because when you learn something that you cannot comprehend... That gives you tzar, isn't isn't that incredible? Say that when I learn something and I can't chape it, I can't say. I have to understand something. You, know, you do understand. Like the days in which we are living, think about this. Just a moment. There is nothing in Torah that is not accessible and not comprehensible. Right? Think about this. Thanks to art scroll, thanks to Safari, thanks to Google. Right. Th- thanks to everything we have. There's pretty much even the most complex, you know, topics. There is nothing that is, that, that is inaccessible to us today. But what Rashi is referring to over here is the following, that it used to be, there were silly that were incredibly complex. So the Gemara says that in Avelos and on Tisha you could learn something that you don't normally learn. Why? Because when you try to learn something and you can't understand it, there's a tsar in that. There's a pain in that. So because there's a tsar, therefore it is permitted ultimately again on Tisha and During Avilus, isn't, isn't, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? And I will say, but here's the real Shaila when we learn something and we don't fully understand it, do we feel the tsar? Do we feel the tsar? Mm-hmm. And do we plug away at it, or do we just simply move on? You know, I will say, one of the dangers of the daf, one of the dangers of the daf, you know, I'm a pretty big fan of the daf, but one of the dangers. Is that sometimes we get to something, we don't understand it, and we're like, okay, right? And we just and, and, and we kinda just we kinda just move on. We kinda just move on. I'll we'll say, but it's so important as fast as we move, if there's something we don't have, something you don't have, maybe I didn't explain it correctly. It's so important to understand things to the best of our ability. There are some things that are more complex, and yes, the daft sometimes requires us to be content with a little bit of a more superficial understanding of certain things. But to never chas allow ourselves to not understand something because not understanding a piece of Torah should cause us tsar shit, if, if I can't understand it, it should cause itsar. And if it doesn't cause Mitzar, I have to work, I have to work on feeling tsar, I have to work on feeling the pain of not understanding something in Torah. The Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, So ultimately, again, the Gemara says, but you can read Kinnas, you can read the story of Eov, you can read the difficult rebuke in Yirmiyah in Hanavi, rebuke for not following the ways of Torah, v'tinokos shal beis rabbon and the say we close we close the the yeshivas and the chadarim right we don't want the children learning Torah children don't learn Torah on Tisha <speaking in Hebrew> Ultimately again because the boss say <speaking in Hebrew> literally the statutes of God are upright they make the heart happy. When children learn Torah, they're happy. And when parents see their children learning Torah, the parents are happy. So essentially, again, on, on Tisha B'av, much like Avelos, we have to, we have to curtail our experience of simcha, and one of the ways in which we do that is we don't learn. As difficult as that is, we don't learn. So Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, So Rabbi Huda doesn't like this idea. He says, No, no, no. You can't learn Torah at all. Even even in topics that you're not normally accustomed to learning. Because he says, even that, even if I don't understand something, there will still be a joy in learning it. And therefore, Yehuda says, you can't learn Torah at all, except for some very specific things. We'll say, very, very dramatic. Very dramatic. Tells you about, we'll say, you know if you think about this... The notion of telling a Jew not to learn Torah. By like telling a Jew not to learn Torah, ultimately is like telling a person not to breathe. So you begin to see how important it is. To feel the loss of the base hamikdash, that Chazal wanted us to experience that loss. Chazal wanted us to feel that loss, and they did not want us to distract ourselves with other things, even with Torah. You'll we'll see why it's so important to kind of put everything else on the side and be able just to be one with the loss of the base hamikdash. So the Gemara goes weiter: ochel Vishosi Yayin migita. this is very interesting. So remember again, the Mishnah said, the Mishnah said that on Erev Tishabov, you're not allowed to eat meat, you're not allowed to drink wine. Now the Bryce, gives an, an exception to this. You can eat what's called Basar Maliach. Baser Maliach means, what means salt and meat. Salted meat. Or you could drink wine right off the wine press. Salted meat was considered to be inferior meat. To a certain degree, it didn't even have like an identity of meat. Heavily salted meat. Similarly, again, wine off the wine press. It didn't even have a chance to really fully ferment or fully, fully, fully ferment. Say if it was a compromised wine. So if you wanted to eat heavily salted meat or wine off the wine press, that's fine because it doesn't really have the identity of meat or identity of wine. So how long is meat sitting in salt? Ultimately, again, to be salted meat. So the am compares to say Carbon Gimara had the ability to go ahead and be eaten for two days and one night. So pretty much, if meat wasn't salt for more than two days and one night, that's called salted meat. So that type of meat was already considered to be a, a, a more inferior quality meat. And therefore, again, one could technically consume it. The Migito, Ad Kama Kozmanchu tosis. Literally if it's still fermenting. If the wine is still fermenting, right? Tosis literally means like frothing. If it's still fermenting, that's inferior. You could technically drink. In it. Tano, Yain Tosis, giloy. it's very interesting. You know, there's a concept of mashkin magulin, which is you're not allowed to leave liquids uncovered overnight. And if you leave it uncovered overnight, you're not allowed to drink it. Why? What are we concerned about? What are we concerned about? Snake venom. We're concerned that a snake would come, inject its venom into it, and therefore you it's interesting. says today we're not really makpid on this, right? Most people are not really makpid on mashki right? If you go out and you leave out a cup of water overnight, people will often drink it the next day. Our Hashulchan says it's very simple. Why? Because we don't live in places of snakes, right? Or venomous snakes. So the concern, the concern, is not really there. Which again happens to be a fascinating idea because I'll say you could say that about so many dinim, right? That halachah. I said, reminded me. This is we're going to do on December twenty fifth. We're going to do a mirza. Hashem, a little bit of, uh, what do they call it? Not a lunch and learn, a breakfast and uh, What do we call it? Yeah, whatever. Good. We're going to (laughs) learn. We're going to learn in the morning. We're going to learn in the morning after you open your presents. We'll go ahead. We're going to learn. We're gonna learn Amirat Hashem, We'll go ahead and uh we're gonna have a nice breakfast and we're gonna actually deal with this topic of Dine Dirabanan because this has actually come up a lot in our suyus about when do we say the reason no longer applies and therefore that alakha doesn't apply? And when do we say even though the reason no longer applies, that alakha does apply? Say so Hashem, coming attractions. December 25th after the death of Hashem. So the Gemara goes back there. So the Gemara says, listen to this. So fermenting wine is not even subject to mashkim Megulan. Why not? Listen to this. Rashi says... Because snakes won't touch it, right? Why won't touch? Such interesting Rashi says because they're afraid. Look like, at Rashi. Last Rashi in the Daf. Shoseu ki apparently, when when, raw, when wine is fermenting, like it, it it makes like a sound, like the fermentation process, the foaming process. So the snake apparently gets scared from the foaming, from the sound of the foaming, and therefore again the snake won't really inject any venom into it. Fascinating. So the Gemara a And how long does it take wine to really ferment? three days, three days, on Rabbi Yom Rav, listen to this, I so will say, this was, this was the minog of Rabbi Huda Rabi Eloi, Erev Tishbav. this is how he had a Sudam Afsakes, Erev Tishvav, M'vi'en lo pascha so I will say, the Gemara now here is describing the sauda Afsakes of Rabbi Huda Bariloi. here's how he had a Sudam Afsakes, they would bring him, then I will say Paschareba means just unflavored bread. Unflavored bread. Bamalach, he would have it with salt. The Yoshab Ahmed V'yoshev the Yoshev He would sit between the stove and the wall, which was an area of incredible soot. Right. And he would go ahead and he would drink a little bit of flask of water. The doma Meso and ultimately, again, you, when you looked at him, you saw he looked like someone who had just lost a loved one. I will say this is how he had the suddamavsekis. I, I will tell you, in our mishpacha, this is how we have the suddamavsekis as well, not between the oven, but but on the floor, on the floor with with bread, with salt, and with water. That's the Mafsakis before And I will say this this was the Hamafsakis. Now, again, to be clear. He was eating, the way the, the Asunah of Sekes works is you eat a regular meal earlier on. As you have a meal, whatever whatever you're having for your meal, you have for your of Sekis. But the last thing a person eats before tishabov is the bread, salt, water on the floor, ultimately, again, preparing oneself for the onset of Tishabov. Tanan Ha'asam, we learn, because this is, you'll, you'll see something, it's Tanan awesome. So Moshe we'll said, "We're going to come back to this in just a moment." So Moshe we'll said, "This is another So we there is the "This is another fascinating halacha. Melacha on Are you allowed to work on Tishavaf? So that where there is the minog to do melacha on Tishavaf, you could do melacha. Moshe said, "Shinagul asos, ain't osin. Ultimately, again, if where there is the minog not to do melacha, we don't do melacha on Tishavaf. Or bechal Moshe said, 'Talmidei Chachamim Rabbi will say, in any place, tamidi chachamim should not do malacha on Tishabav. B'Av. will say, B'av is a day to mourn what we have lost. Rabbi will say, watch this. Hesher Goliad Omer, li'olam yaase kol adam atzmo kitam A person should make themselves like a Tisha and don't work on Tisha B'av. Don't work on Tisha B'av. A person ultimately, again, should make himself, should make himself go like a In other words, there's no, like, there's no mexicure, there's, no, there's no arrogance in that. If at all possible, a person should not work on tishabav. Bose is just so incredibly important. If a person has control over their schedule, tishabav is not a day to work. It's not a day to work, it's a day to take the time and to mourn that which we have lost. Remember, Tisha B'Av is the day. I will say it's interesting, When, when Yom HaShoah was first instituted, there was an incredible amount of backlash about instituting a new day for Holocaust remembrance, because at the end of the day, we have a day. We have a day when we remember every calamity, every catastrophe, which has befallen Cloud Yisrael, and that day is Tishabov. Tishbov is not just about the destruction of Esau Mitosh, Tishabav is not just about the destruction of a structure. Tishabov ultimately, again, is a day that is all about the destruction and the loss of anything and everything that we have endured over the last thousands of years. So the Gemara is saying, How can you go to work? How, how, how does a person go to work? In the midst of that, how does a person, does anyone say during shiva, you know what, I really loved my father a lot, but you know what, got a meeting, got a meeting, got to got got prepare, and I love my mother so much, but you know what, there's a clung, what, what can I do? No one would ever, Chas shalom ever fathom that. So Tisha bal Achas Kama V'Kama is the compounded loss of Klaal over the millennia. Person can't work. A person can, obviously, if sometimes in life a person has no choice, okay, I try to minimize, but if a person has any level of control, it's worth it. I know people sometimes have a limited amount of time off from their employer, it's a good investment. It's a good investment to use the day off, ultimately for Tisha B'Av. So the Gemara goes right ochal A person who eats and drinks on Tisha B'Av, is like a person who eats and drinks on Yom Kippur. Such a strong lushan. And I will say one more. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Kala O Semelacha betishabav, Eno Simen Bracha Leolam. I will say, What a strong Gemara. A person who works on Tishavav does not see Bracha, does not see any level of blessing from that work forever. Now I will say, The, 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 the Lashin over here is strange. It's very strange. What does it mean? I understand. Just say, if a person works on Tishav, what does what does it sound like? The is saying. What does it sound like? What does it sound like? If you go to work on Tishwab, and you work on job, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're not going to benefit from that work. So why do you have the word liolam in there? Why why the Olam? The say, look at a scary Tosas. Tosas type of lamed kilomar. Ba'osa melacha sheragil lazos betishavav ena ro'a simin bracha liolam. What the Gemara is saying says us is any type of work you do until a person does on Tishabov a person is never going to see bracha from that category of work forever, forever. That that so it's it's which is a chilling Gemara. So it's not just a pshat. That I'm not going to see bracha from work I do on Tisha B'Av. What it means is, I'm not going to see bracha from that category, from that type of work, forever. Forever, the Olam. Kabbalah said, why so severe? Why so severe? Why so severe? So here we go. Here we go. We'll just go a few more minutes. Ultimately, again, why i because the Chachamim say, if a person is working on Tishabav, if I'm working by definition, what am I not doing? What am I not doing? I'm not mourning. I'm not mourning. If I'm working, then I'm not mourning. And therefore, again, kal ose malacha betes ba'av ve'enom isabel al Yerushalayim. If I'm working on Tishah and I'm not mourning for Yerushalayim, eno roe b'simchasa, then I will not merit to see in the joy of a rebuilt Yerushalayim shenemar simchu es Yerushalayim v'gilu ba kol oha veha as the Pasek says over here, Pasek Konev Yishe'o, Rejoice in Yerushalayim, Rejoice with it, Kalo all who love her, Sisu Ita, masos, Kala Ablim Aleha. So we'll say, what do you see from here? You see a connection between those who mourn for Yerushalayim and those who rejoice for Yerushalayim. And Mikan Amru, I will say, this is such an incredibly important line, Abel al Yerushalayim, Zoha Whoever mourns for Yerushalayim ultimately, again, will be privileged to see Zocha will be privileged veroha to see in the joy in the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. Al Yerushalayim. But whoever does not mourn from Yerushalayim, eno Roa will not merit to see the simcha. Of the rebuilding of Yerushalayim, so I will say, what, what a what a powerful gemara. So the gemara is saying over here: if a person works on Tishav, it means that by definition, if I'm working, then I'm not mourning for Yerushalayim, and if I'm not mourning for Yerushalayim, then at the end of the day, I will not be privileged. To be able to go ahead and see its rebuilding, to ultimately see its restoration, to see the geula, and therefore again, the gemara comes out so strong. There's three, There's a whole bunch of the rest of the year you could work. You'll work harder on erev Tishabav and you'll work harder on the tenth of Av. But on Tishabav, but on a has to mourn. On Tishav, a has to feel that which has been lost, because only those. Who participate in the sadness in the morning will be Zoha Mirza Hashem to participate and to see the rebuilding. And I also I tell you something amazing. The Chassam Sofer, the Chassam Sofer asks such a profound question. He says the wording of the lashon here doesn't make sense, right? It says kalam isabel al veroah Whoever mourns Yerushalayim zochah, privileged veroah sees the simcha. Chassam's over says, How should the Gemara have been written? How should it have be been written? If you mourn for Yerushalayim, then what? Yizkeh v'yir'e b'sim Right? Right? In other words, it should be future tense. If I mourn for Yerushalayim, if I mourn, he says, the v'yir'e Lashon Asid. Lashon Asid. It should be the future. If I mourn for Yerushalayim, then I will be privileged. I will be privileged to see the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. And the Chassam Sofer says something absolutely amazing. He quotes actually from these parashios. It says by Yaakov Avinu. Right when Yaakov thought that Yosef was dead. So what does the Pasuk say? He could not be consoled. Say, remember what Rashi says on the Pasuk? Why not? Why couldn't he be consoled? Rashi says, Why couldn't Yaakov be consoled? Because Yosef wasn't dead. Because Yosef was alive. You see, you cannot be consoled for something that is alive. So in other words, because Shavaruchu programmed the universe in a way that when we encounter loss, when something's dead and gone, there, there is an innate coping mechanism that is there that allows us ultimately to move on. It takes time, but there's the ability to move on. But when something's not dead and gone, it's impossible to move on. Yaakov Avinu couldn't move on. It wasn't a chisern in Yaakov, because Yosef wasn't dead. There was a part of him, that mechanism that allows me to move past loss and rebuild and rebuild. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't triggered in Yaakov because Yosef was alive says the Chassam, listen to these words. When I mourn over the Beis Hamikdash, when you mourn for something, when you feel perpetual pain for something, that's why do you feel perpetual pain over something? Because it's still alive. Because it's still there. You see, things that are dead and gone, we move past. But things that are still alive, still things that are still in existence, Ultimately, again, you feel perpetual pain over it. So says the Chassam Sofer. If I mourn over the Beis Hamikdash and I feel pain over the Beis Hamikdash, and I will say, when we speak about, see, this is so incredibly important. When we speak about the loss of the Beis Hamikdash, what is it that we're mourning? We're not mourning a structure, right? I mean, we're partially mourning a structure. But we're mourning everything that the loss of a Beis HaMikdash represents. A Beis HaMikdash brought universal equilibrium. A Beis HaMikdash kept the Shekhinah down in this world. And when there is no Beis HaMikdash, the universe is not as it should be. That's what I mourn. And when you could mourn for something, that means that there's a piece of it that's alive inside of you. Because at the end of the day, if it was dead and buried, dead and gone... We move past things like that. But things that cause us perpetual pain, things that cause us perpetual angst. That's like Yaakov Avinu. He couldn't stop mourning for his son. Why not? Because his son was alive. His son was alive. When I constantly mourn for the Beis HaMikdash and there's a piece of me that's constantly unsettled, that's because the Beis HaMikdash is alive in me. The Beis HaMikdash is alive in me. The Belvavi Mishkan Evne. It's not gone. It's not gone. It's inside of me, just yearning to come out. It's inside of me, yearning to be rebuilt. When you mourn for the base HaMikdash, it's not Yiske, it's not yiskev V'Yir it's Zohar HaBisim Chasa. Why says chasam Sofer? Because the fact that I still mourn for a Beis HaMikdash, the fact that it's not dead and buried, dead and gone, indicates that what? It's still here with me. And if it's still here with me, zochah. It's not future. There's a quasi-nechama. There's a quasi-rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash that occurs while I'm mourning for it because we only mourn for things that are still somewhat alive within us. Once it's dead, once it's gone, we simply move on. So you hear the Gatos of this? So that's why it's so important to mourn because when you mourn for the Beis HaMikdash, and it's, it's an incredible anomaly. When I mourn for it, it's because it's still alive inside of me. So the mourning is in and of itself indicative. Zohar, the we had the, we had the incredible privilege. The first night of Hanukkah, first night of Hanukkah, we right are by the Kotel, the Kindle of the Menorah, by the, by the, by, by, right by the kotel Plaza. So we were there the first, uh, we were there the first night and it was at, I have to tell you, it was it was that, that night. Actually, they have it's very moving. They invite um, widows and orphans of soldiers from the IDF. Those are the ones. Those are the ones who are who are invited for the first Hadlakos. You have to say it's a very overwhelming sight because you see these families, these families who who suffered such loss, and they're kindling the menorah, the first light. Right by the last remaining vestige of the Beis Hamikdash, and you know, on one hand, you look around and there are so many things that are broken. You see widows who are broken. You see children who are broken. You see a Beis Hamikdash that's broken, and then you see a menorah that's kindled, and in that one little, in that one little space, everything's broken and everything's whole at the same time. Everything is so sad, and yet everything is so besimcha. All at the same time. Incredible. It, 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 it's, it's an overwhelming, and it, it doesn't make sense. Like As I say it, like, the words don't make sense. How can something be broken? How can something be whole at the same time? But the truth is the Jew understands actually yes, something could be broken and it could be broken and, and whole the same. It's possible. It's possible for something to be utterly broken and to be completely whole exactly at the same moment. Isn't that the dialectic of Klal Yisrael? We're broken and we're whole. We're mourning and we're besimcha. I'm mourning of but the fact that I'm mourning, it indicates to me that it's inside of me. We give up sometimes, again, the best of Klaal Yisrael, our best young men who fall defending the state, defending Am Yisrael, defending Eretz Yisrael, but yet again, bedamayi Only through that sacrifice do we live. You know, it was amazing. At the, uh, at, at this, at this, uh, first Hadlaka, they had the uh, defense minister. Gans was there and it was so interesting you know so the chief rabbi is there Gans is there a whole bunch of other people and it's incredible because it, it, it was a moment of like all different kinds of people all different kinds of backgrounds broken whole everything coming together it says the so sofer that's what it means Kala mis'abel al it's not future tense it's not if you mourn you will see the geula it's if you mourn you are experiencing the geula in that moment because if you mourn for it, that means it's alive inside of you. And it's if alive inside of you, then it's only a matter of time till the complete vision of Geula actualizes. And now you see why chazal are so stark in their don't go to work on Tisha B'Av speech. <laughs> Wait, come on, this is the biggest problem of so people working on Tisha B'Av, this is the biggest problem. No, it's not the biggest problem. But don't you want the Beis Hamikdash to be alive inside of you? Don't, don't, don't you want to have that feeling that there's something alive inside of me that is yearning to come out? There's something alive inside of me that wants to be actualized. I want my Beis Hamikdash back. And when we mourn, and this is the incredible dialectic, when we mourn for that which has been lost, in fact, it is the greatest testament to that which is alive and that which is actively being rebuilt. Not rebuilt in the future, but being rebuilt in that moment. Also, let's just finish the two, 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 two dots. Tain al that supports this. Or he eats meat and drinks wine on Omer. About this, about this individual, the Pasik says, vati avonosam Mosam. Ultimately, again, quotes over here, the Pasik. Kosovo, the Pasuk, that ultimately again, which literally means their iniquity will be on their bones, right? The boss said, we'll stop over here for today. We're going to be tomorrow to say tomorrow, oh. the last death of Messech, incredible timest, incredible accomplishment. Wish everyone a wonderful day. Shikayach, everyone.